So hello. <laughs> You've already made me a cup of tea. <laughs> I know, I have. Making the tea master a cup of tea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, if I keep staying with me, as I was just telling you, this is kind of my second chance to sit down with someone for Artists in Residence, which is a project that I've been working on for like the last six months um, after I've become increasingly frustrated by my own creativity um, and constantly having ideas and flashes of inspiration in all kinds of areas and never really knowing how to bring them to life. And that's through lack of artistic training. Um, mm. You know, never went to art school, never really had many mentors to look up to. But now in like my current work and um, just immersing myself in kind of London, there are so many people to be inspired by. So yeah, um, yeah. and places too. <laughs> Absolutely, like the whole city is an inspiration. But yeah, there's there's so much going on and so many exhibitions and things to be in awe of so I decided that I'm not I'm not going to let it overwhelm me anymore so I wanted to sit down with different people who are creating in different areas um, and ask them about their creative processes and what it means to be creative and you have your fingers in lots of different pies um, <laughs> so doing lots of different things and with some really amazing accolades over the last couple of years so I wanted to speak to you and I know you you think a lot about creative culture in your work as well so mm. yeah I wanted to get your your thoughts yeah um, of course thank you for having me on your second podcast I know it's my <laughs> first podcast ever so and I got a cold this morning so if I sound a bit nasal then apologies that for that. is fine we can bumble through together so to dive in with maybe a couple of hard ones how would you define what it is that you do creatively yeah so I guess I'm in well I am in the creative industries I mean by way of introduction, I'm the co-founder and content director of a storytelling agency called Somner and Tell, and that we we work on brands to help define their brand story and their their culture, their personality, and their tone of voice, and then help them uh, create content across platforms. So that could be things like creating blogs, magazines, newsletters, um, and one day that could be a podcast, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one side of what I do, and I guess. Being creative in that sense is much more about responding, responding to briefs, coming up with ideas and being really flexible and being able to work with different people. And then I guess the second the second side to how I see myself as being creative is I'm, I'm still a, a journalist um, and write, I have started actually writing some fiction, which I'm kind of terrified to say out loud. That's because absolutely um, so exciting. <laughs> because I can't really imagine a world in which I'd ever share it yet. But um, I guess that side of it is much more about cultivating your own voice and mm-hmm. finding your own way of telling stories and your own style. So, yeah, obviously there's a million different ways you can be creative, but the way I kind of see my sort of roster, that's such a pretentious word, is like on the one side it's being creative on behalf of other people and helping them draw out their stories, and the second part is trying to find my voice, if I can call it that yet. Yeah, which you absolutely can. (laughs) You have a voice because you're doing it. So, yeah, it's very much a two-pronged approach, I guess, because you are creating in these two different ways of producing things. But why do you do what you do? Um, yeah, I mean, good question. I think in terms of if, I guess what I am first and foremost as a writer, um, I've always felt like I've had to write in some way. Like even as a child, I was the person always telling weird stories or, yeah. you know, my dad would really, my parents actually really encouraged that. I would go somewhere and, you know, something weird happened, even if it was like, oh, we missed a train. My dad would be like, oh, go write a story about it. And I'd kind of spin it into this 
story yeah. and um, I guess I also used to host my own radio show I'm just remembering oh, cool. now I've got nice. my cassette player when I was like 10 and used to record myself interviewing my Beanie Babies and things like that that's amazing I'm um, oh, sorry I've forgotten your question I've gone off on a tangent <laughs> completely that's okay we're getting some great stories um, why, why do you do what you do yeah I think I've always I think writing helps me make sense of things basically so why I kind of started in childhood is it was kind of you know making sense of growing up and things that were happening around me and my experiences and um now I find that too I find it quite like a meditative thing I mean don't get me wrong sometimes it's extremely stressful um and you doubt yourself a million times but it is kind of how I order thoughts um and even you know on the with Sondra and Tell on the client side of things I find like I only understand the brief when I start taking notes myself and like putting it into my own words um I think there's that is it it probably not Nora Ephron but there's a quote that's like I only know what I think when I write it yes that's that's a total misquote but yeah or it's yeah you only understand something once you name it yeah I don't know if that's her but it's the same idea yeah like you can only um fully grasp a concept when you've when you've shaped it in your own words I think Mm mm-hmm so let's talk a little bit more about your client work with Sondra mm. and Tell. Um, so when, when was it that you started up Sondra and Tell? Yeah, so I started it um, with my co-founder Emily 18 months ago. So we were both actually um, in, I guess, the business of storytelling before and that I was yeah. um, editor-in-chief of a magazine called Suitcase, which yeah. is a travel magazine. And Emily was brand director there and opened Suitcase's content agency. Um, and then we... Oh, we had the most amazing time. We sort of travelled the world together, um, but we just felt like it was time to do something different. Mm-hmm. And we saw that brands were, a lot of them were putting out their own stories, um, and some of them weren't either hitting the mark. Whether it was that they weren't kind of paying attention to like the craft of the narrative and the tone of voice and the characters and things like that, or they were, you know, leaning too heavily on sort of digital agencies, and it was sounding like it had been churned out by a kind of SEO bot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically resolved to tell better brand stories. Yeah, so we've been going about eighteen months and. Yeah, I guess I can't really talk about my kind of creative process without talking about Emily because we're yeah, definitely a partnership. And yeah, I feel like we share a brain sometimes yeah. or two sides <laughs> of the same brain. She's quite strategic. We kind of say that we divide what we do into strategy and storytelling. So um, Emily's much more sort of evaluating business goals, mm-hmm. um, looking at marketing strategies, content calendars, and shape coming up. We both brainstorm things together, but um, we both come up with ideas together, and then I kind of put them into words. Um, yeah. So you've got those two sides of the coin, which is. Yeah, exactly. I think I feel really lucky to have found text. I think those creative relationships, yeah, they're quite intense. They can Definitely. be. Um, yeah, but I think we really, and I'm actually not that much of a. This is not that much of a team player, which makes me sound <laughs> awful, but I think lots of yeah. writers are quite insular yeah. in terms of what we they do. all your own ideas and yeah. you've got to work through the process of getting them out. Yeah, and I'm quite, I was quite used to sort of working quite independently and sort of being, coming up with a task, going away and doing it and then presenting it back rather than, you know, constantly batting ideas back and forth. But with Emily... I don't know, we really bring out the best each other in that way. Um, and I suppose you've had yeah, you've had years to work on that relationship. Yeah, because we, we did work together at Suitcase. I think probably we had a pretty good idea of each other's... I mean, we're best friends as well, yeah. so yeah, we, we know each other really well. Um, but yeah, we're lucky to have that. Absolutely. So in terms of as a duo, but also by yourself, when you're given... So you've spoken with a company mm. through Sondra & Tell, you're given a brief or you're given a problem... 
what is the process you go through to start to find solutions? So if we're, if we're taken on by a client, we always go through what we call a kind of brand immersion. Um, so basically that is a sort of interview process where we try and get to the heart of the brand. So it, it could be, um, you know, finding out about the founder's story, but it could also be questioning, like, is the brand more than just the founder's story now, you know? Um, we question their sort of business goals. Um, we often do consumer insights as well and see what the wider market is looking like. Um, so yeah, it's basically a data collection piece. Mm-hmm. Take that all away and assimilate it. And then from that, we often come back and question the original brief. Like if someone's come to us and said, we want to profile young women in sports and then from what everyone's saying, actually that doesn't sound like that's who their target audience should be. Yeah. We'll be like, well, actually have you thought about you know, women in the workplace or something instead. So we take quite a critical approach, I like to think. Um, I think we question, yeah, we question briefs, we question motivations. Yeah, not to be sort of provocative, but just to make sure that the idea is as strong as it can be so that it holds water and yields results. And so you've gone back, you've said maybe this is where we should be focusing instead, Mm. or, you know, you've, you've assimilated all that information from the day. What happens then? What yeah. happens with you and Emily? Do you sit down together? Do you get out a big blackboard and yeah, get it on there? Yeah, we actually get it on the table. We might be upstairs. We have this, like, um, I don't know, it's just this big notepad thing. Whenever we get that out, we kind of laugh because we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm having a brainstorm. Um, and all these, like, coloured pens have yeah, come absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a super creative process, actually. We do literally, like, throw words around each other, or, you know, Emily actually just sent me a voice note. Um, then about this idea for this new brand we started working with yesterday so it's very much like spark 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 yeah. um what after this sort of brand immersion we normally start with a brand narrative so that's pulling together all those threads into a story which can then be sort of woven through different communication yeah. um and the way we work on that is after a sort of brainstorm we normally come up with a concept and a rough structure i probably am the one well i normally am the one to put it into words yeah and then kind of send it back to Emily as my like editor and she'll be like does this make sense is it actually this and then just keep drafting it until it's right um and then obviously you go very much it. have like that tap open of just like what about this what about this yeah and just firing it between two of yeah as sounding boards for each other yeah exactly we challenge each other quite a lot which again was something I had to get used to because I'm like can be a bit of a child I'm like don't like being told what to do yeah most people yeah I think that's but a it's natural reaction right but we actually just force each other I guess it forces you to defend your own points of view and it actually makes your ideas stronger in the long run absolutely and you can Mm. then use your resilience then to you've got your idea you've got your brand narrative then do you feel like so you said you've been going for kind of 18 months now do you feel that you have like a formula that you're beginning to find that um comes up again and again which is helping you to tell a story or do you feel um a general story plot line that you feel Mm. like you can apply to I don't think there's a plot line that you can apply, no, because I think that that differs um, from person to per- well, from brand to brand. But I think there is um, elements that mm-hmm. are the same throughout. And we always, we actually were doing a talk on this the other day, but we basically believe that the elements in any good story are the same, and any good brand story are the same as what you'd find in like a Harry Potter novel, for example. Yeah. So there are certain things like um, a setting is always going to be really important. So where your book is based, um, as opposed to where your brand is based and what environment you're engaging in. Again, there's your characters, so, you know, it's like Harry, Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Or it's um, your, it can, can be your founder, but also yeah. your marketing director, your customer service person. Um, yeah, so there are those things. There's conflict and resolution. There's plot. 
yeah, so I think it's more picking apart elements and that's definitely something that we apply across across different brands. Cool. And so to think of something more specifically, mm. we were just talking about comfort zones, um, which you worked on with Jigsaw, which has been absolutely all over <laughs> my newsfeed, um, yeah. um, which <laughs> is so exciting. Here. Absolutely. So could you tell me a bit more about comfort zones um, for yeah, anyone who hasn't heard about it and where the idea came from? Yeah, so I actually said this at our book launch because I... Ever, I've, it's a fair question everyone always asks where yeah, the yeah. idea came from we work at a storytelling agency so I should be able to say it <laughs> just like that but I actually struggle because it's now become so kind of all these strands have become really intertwined but basically um I well Emily and I both have supported this charity called Women for Women International for a while yeah. we did an event for them about um a year ago maybe mm. it was longer than that now they do amazing work in um countries with women in countries that have been affected by conflict so they have these um year-long employability programs where uh, women sign up and they get taught a job skills so it could be something like tailoring um, or poultry keeping and then at the end of that 12 months they then sort of graduate from the program and lots of them often go on to start their own businesses um, and contribute to their communities so we were kind of inspired by that story um, and at the same time what so we wanted to do something for them um, and I didn't mention actually before, so Sonner and Tell is an agency, but we also have a community of different writers and storytellers who we interview about their favourite books, podcasts, magazines, and that sort of thing. So we work with um, lots of women content creators in that sense. So we were sort of brainstorming, got the yeah. big notepad yeah. out, and like, how can we engage? How can we engage these women um, in a way? yeah that's a bit different and that makes you know that could raise some money for women for women international so we landed on the idea of comfort zones because it kind of occurred to us that you know going through something like an employability program is obviously a massive leap of faith so we sort of we made that the theme for the book and it was never you know it was it was never about sort of making parallels between the writers and the women who have been helped by Women for Women International because obviously it's totally different worlds but it was more about making a sort of tribute to their bravery so um, that's why we asked writers to push themselves a bit and think about think outside the box, tackle subjects they wouldn't normally think about or write in forms they wouldn't normally. Um, so it was a it was a very open brief, um, yeah. and that's why it's such a kind of eclectic um, yeah. collection. Um, yeah, and we pitched it basically we pitched the book to Jigsaw after we had the idea and a few writers lined up because they had come to us a little bit before and were looking for a kind of a new way to engage with their consumers. Um, who are big readers you know they're, they're a little bit older um and it really appealed to them so that's how it all came together really um and yeah we briefed it out and got everything back in about six months and then wow. yeah it's been quite a journey but it's been amazing yeah. the response has been so good no absolutely you know so exciting um from the conversation that we're having now obviously with comfort zones you were managing i think it's 28 women is that right um yes 28 writers yeah yeah to go outside their comfort zones to think creatively in a different way than they usually mm. would um so from like an editorial perspective mm. as the editor of that how was that to manage yeah it was an interesting one actually not it wasn't so much pushback but I think I mean I should say actually all the writers contributed their time pro bono so it's quite a big ask to be like write something uncomfortable for free Absolutely, you know yeah. so and I totally understand that that's yeah, um, it gets dropped down priority sometimes. But I think 
yeah, it was a real mix. Some people got it straight away and were like, oh, I've actually been wanting to write about this for a while. Other people were like, sort of, what do you mean? And for some certain people, we fed in themes that we thought, oh, you, I haven't seen you on this. Like, does that work? Um, but yeah, I guess you just have to instill people with a bit of trust and, and walk them through it a little bit. But in general, the, the response was, was really good and really creative. Yeah. Very thoughtful, actually, as well. A lot of the um, feedback I've got from people who've read it have been like, they all feel very personal and like they're sort of being spoken like you're being spoken to in a room with someone rather than there's no like formal kind of big media glaze yeah. it's all they're all quite individual stories and I'd imagine that's down to the amazing selection process of who you chose to work with but also these writers had already broken down a barrier by mm. sitting down to write that piece so yeah um it wasn't trying to be something that it didn't end up being mm. so um, yeah, I can't wait to read them. I can't believe I haven't read them yeah, yet. Yeah, it's just but... there, actually. Oh, no, it's there. It's there. <laughs> so, in terms of your own writing, was there yeah. ever a moment... I know you've just said that it's not something you've really talked about yet, mm. um, and you're not really sure yeah. where it sits with you, but was there ever any moment when you thought about um, having any of your own work in the book, um, kind of pushing yourself? Um, I did when I, could, when I couldn't, when we couldn't find 28 women. Yeah. I was like, shall we just write something? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we actually wrote the introduction together, which... I, which is I'm really proud of actually because um, it's quite a hard task like I've just said to try and pull it all together into a coherent narrative yeah I mean I guess I I, do, I still do quite a bit of journalism so I was a, obviously a travel journalist before this um, for Sondra and Tell and yeah I'm sort of exploring bits of fiction so I signed up to I did a short story course at Goldsmiths actually last Amazing. year um, just before Christmas which is really good because I think half of it like probably actually 90% of it is just getting over the fear almost when you first start it's like oh you feel so self-conscious and actually being forced to share your work with other people in in quite a small setting and being like oh actually everyone's kind of muddling through together um was a really good experience so yeah I'm still writing journalistically but I don't know if I'll ever yeah we'll see yeah (laughs) But it's so it... hard though, because what I really like about brand writing or what we do at Sonder and Tell is that you're sort of putting on a hat yeah. and it's someone else's tone of voice and it's someone else's identity and personality and you sort of hide behind that a little bit. Mm. Whereas anything with a byline on it automatically, for me at least, becomes a little bit more anxiety yeah. inducing. And I mean, oh my God, I'm not like this hard hitting journalist. No, no one's being like, what does Kate have to say on this? No, but of course. at the same time, it's just like your... Your name's attached to it. Yeah, so... I think I just need to get over it, basically. And how do you think you're going to do that? Well, I think I... I so the writer's um, class that I did has now made a writer writer's group. So we sure. try and meet... Do you know what? I've actually been quite bad about going, but we're trying to meet sort of every other week to keep yeah. sharing work. So I think... You know, everyone says this... That, I, oh, God, I'm going to misquote someone again, but it's something <laughs> like the only difference between the book being finished and not finished is you're actually sitting, like, showing up and doing the work, Absolutely, basically. Yeah. So it is just... I mean, writing is such a muscle. Like, I really notice if I've had a couple of weeks of, you know, meetings or doing other things and not actually sitting down to write how rusty you feel. Mm-hmm. So I think it's trying to carve out the time to do it as much as possible. Yeah, every day if you can. Even if it's, like, in 15-minute bursts, mm-hmm. it's better than than nothing just keeping, so I think it's keeping keeping, keeping, going, keeping doing it? it keeping practicing and then just keeping sharing it as much as you can so what's particularly interesting to me is that being a travel journalist you still continue to write and for many people you know if anyone's listening to this that um, you know hasn't had those experiences yet hasn't had a chance to mm. get their work out into the world 
that itself would seem really scary. Mm. So some of the amazing things you've achieved would seem scary to other people. So what would your advice be to somebody who Mm. was trying to get their work out for the first time? You're finding it hard to think about sharing your work in this new circumstance. Yeah, that's interesting. As in this, yeah, the first audience. Um, it's tricky. I'm not going to lie, but anyone who has ambitions in journalism now, like it really is, it's a tough landscape. And I have a lot of, actually quite a few graduates and people like that email me and ask for advice. And I always feel a bit like, you know, I'm not really sure what to say. I'd say that if you are, if you're purely into writing and the craft of words and narrative and that kind of thing, I would also open your eyes to sort of brand writing Mm -hmm. and, the editorial side of of um, brands now because a lot of them are doing really cool stuff so things like Soho House have their magazine um, Bumble I haven't actually seen it yet but they've now got a yeah. magazine and there's a lot that you can do with words from that from that sense and still and still you know be a journalist yeah but also have a bit more security financially because um, I do think that's the tricky thing but there there are also a lot of you know platforms for younger people that publish work for first time first time writers and things like that oh there's one called Salome I think okay. um which is a good one follow Sondrantel yes <laughs> that's a good one you can hear advice from lots of different readers and writers no, that we interview and there are other creative communities things like Women Who Ategra Wagba they often have different meetups um a little bit different but I went to a really amazing panel that she hosted on publishing like how to get your book published um so things like that, just try and meet as many people as possible. I was actually reading Otega's newsletter. Oh yeah, hers is brilliant. I love her newsletter. I just think you know she is the master of very short, digestible sentences mm. that I'm immediately going to click the link on. Yeah, she's like, super. She's succinct. so encapsulating, and I think, as you say, she's got um, some incredible career advice as well. Um, yeah, she really does. Great I know. I read her sharing. newsletter religiously. Actually, I always trust her recommendations. Yeah, it's the first. It's the moment it pops into the inbox, it doesn't get ignored for yeah. twenty minutes. It gets read straight away. So, I want to talk more about your um, writing process. Mm. Um, I guess it can be quite difficult to look inside of yourself to see what it is that you do. So maybe more in your creative writing um, and your travel writing, what does it feel like to get an idea for a piece? <laughs> feels so good. <laughs> yeah, if you crack it, if you crack yeah. it, it's so good. Um, I try, well, I guess travel writing is a bit was always a bit different because you kind of have this experience and your job while you're there or was actually you know it's an amazing job because you go out to a place and your job is essentially to an experience to experience it as a traveler would you know you're not you're not traveling for work as such so you're just basically like trying to be a sponge and I lots of people say they don't they don't take notes I take I used to take a ton of notes um and just write down everything from you know the light or whatever it is um I do lots of recordings on my phone as well. I always find with travel writing as well, it's a really good idea to speak, to speak about the place through the people that are from that place rather than try and impose your own ideas culturally. Um, So yeah, a ton of notes, act like a sponge and I used to come back and, or even if it's a creative piece now, you kind of try and digest everything. I sort of highlight, I stay quite on paper actually until I feel like I have a structure. You've worked out. Thinking about it, yeah. Where it's going to go. Quite like working with physical things, and I 
quite like mind maps and diagrams, not, yeah. di- not diagrams, but flow charts and things like that. And then I find once once you've got a structure that clicks, then I start writing. And yeah, I think the hardest thing is probably getting out that shitty first draft. But I kind of know that now, so I'm like, I can fix this later. Yeah. I really write kind of turn spell check off and everything doesn't even make sense and just get it out overword it and then fix it later is pretty much what I try to do which doesn't really make sense with the meticulous planning so I'm like you've got this plan (laughs) spurt it out and then fix it but that's sort of the and if I get stuck I think yeah I think the best writers are readers really as well so I think reading as much as you can is really important as well and even if I get I mean some people try and not look at words when they're writing I used to read quite a lot of A.A. Gill's mm-hmm. travel writing when I was stuck on a piece there yeah it can, he has quite a visual way of writing and it just gives you ideas or like a new way of thinking that might help you get around a stuck point do you feel like looking back you can see the moments where you got stuck and you turn to him like turn to his writing for inspiration yeah I think it's just when I was feeling that things were a bit standard and not very interesting I was like oh he always had such a an ability to paint real visual images with with words and his writing is quite lyrical as well um and just really original kind of metaphors and things like that so when I just needed to be a a bit more creative I think Mm -hmm. I kind of turned to him because I know some people and as you said some people stay away from other people's words whilst they're writing for me um if I'm creating anything it's something it's mm. a classic case of imposter syndrome mm. so you know you are looking to absorb inspiration around you but I can often then you know if you're in a bit of a sticky oh, you spot can start feeling you can be like well obviously it's not going to be as good as that and you know and you yeah. can get in your own head I, I mean think. yeah I probably did feel a bit of imposter syndrome yeah. with AA Gil but I guess I was yeah. just trying to be realistic like no of course um I guess some certain pieces, maybe it's not useful. Like if you're doing an interview, a profile of someone, it's probably not useful to read other profiles because, well, actually maybe it is though because then you write something different. But yeah, I guess yeah. it's a balance between being inspired but not overly influenced. Absolutely. Um, and do you look anywhere else, so maybe outside mm. of literature, outside of brands and visuals mm. for creativity? Is there anything that you do and maybe in your spare time Mm. that always leaves you feeling pumped up afterwards yeah I do I do like going to art galleries um I quite like going my own as well um so I just kind of go at my own pace and sort of take things in try and put my phone on airplane mode um and try and go on a weekday or something as well when there's no one else there um yeah and I also love swimming (laughs) which is not necessarily creative it's quite physical but it um makes me feel quite light sort of mentally and physically and I often work through actually that was an interesting exercise because I went on a swimming holiday last year oh, and wrote about it for EasyJet so I was commissioned by EasyJet yeah. magazine to go on the swimming trip um but I remember on the last day I was kind of swimming but also I almost felt myself writing, writing the piece, paragraphs yeah. of this article in my head as I was going I was like this is the most amazing literal and I don't know symbolic flow ever yeah. um, which was really good I think there's a lot for you know writers often spend quite a lot of time on their own um, and in their own heads so I think getting out of that headspace is quite important whether you're going yeah. for a walk or you're going to a gallery but doing something physical and taking your mind off things actually then and leads you back to being more creative than you were before which is very fascinating to me that removing yourself from the immediate like creative situation mm. allows those ideas to connect together mm. and actually take on more sense yeah Um, and I think that must be you know that's allowing yourself you know we talked about before 
we don't know what we think until we write it. Mm. Um, and I guess it's that level of subconscious thinking. Um, yeah, I think it's that. But I also think when you get distance from your own work, you uh, can go back to it with the eye of an editor. So you can have a much more kind of critical perspective. Whereas when you're so wrapped up in it in the moment, it's just, you know, you have such ownership to it. But I, you know, the ideal for me would be to write something leave it for a couple of days and then come back to it and be like, oh, that's weird. Like, yeah. that doesn't make sense anymore. So it's, yeah, I think it's getting... You can read it someone else's work then, can't you? Exactly. And it's kind of, yeah, I think it's almost taking the role of an editor for your own work, which is pretty hard to do. Um, but if you can do it, then great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if not, you've got a partner like you do in Emily. Um, yes, you exactly. you each other. So. Yeah, or find a partner. Yeah. <laughs> And I asked you to invite me to somewhere that you create in. Mm. Um, I know you said that, you know, sometimes it's in a different room of the house. Mm. But do you feel like there's anything that you specifically have in this space or an environment that you've created that allows you to work mm. um, to your best ability? Yeah, so uh, a natural light, which is obviously not a, not a very original thing to say, but it's really, you know, having looking out. So I always like to face the window if possible. And I think the bookshelf is kind of... Yeah, it's a very impressive, beautiful bookshelf. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read lots of them, but still just kind of having them having them there is nice. Also having plants around, I quite like. I mean, I guess it's quite... A, yeah, all the standard component co- components, really, light books, plants. Um, also quite close to the kitchen, which is good for moments of distraction yeah, and things absolutely. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Many tea breaks of cup and drinks. Of, yeah. Cups of tea. Um yeah, I do quite a lot of positive procrastination things like cleaning, <laughs> cleaning and tidying. Do you want when, to go and work at my house? <laughs> yeah, when I when I should be working. Yeah. But um, I think quiet as well is really important for me. I don't really like to listen to m- music. Occasionally, I'll listen to like piano, Spotify piano playlist yeah. or something. But definitely not anything with words. And actually, that's something I found quite tricky when I worked in an office because yeah. the level of noise. Um, it's it's just. Yeah, I think some people quite like background noise, but yeah, I can't, especially when I'm writing, I find it distracting. But I think the other thing is mixing it up a bit. So I'm here some days, um, sometimes on my own, sometimes with Emily. Other days I'll go to Emily's house um, or we'll work from a cafe or something. Occasionally we work from clients' offices. Like for me, mixing up, which actually I never thought I was like that. I always thought I was quite sort of structured and like one thing. But I think in terms of creativity, actually find different forms of stimulation from different environments so I do try and move around a little bit yeah and it stops you getting cabin fever as well I guess yeah exactly I do I do find if I'm here all day on my own which I think everyone anyone who yeah. does things I like, kind of can't talk by the someone end of the day someone comes home and you're like hi how are you oh yeah um, forgot I don't know how to behave like a human yeah um no I mean and it is a really beautiful space so Thank I'm you. very jealous that you get to work here on one of the days <laughs> so I guess just finally it's quite a sweeping question and obviously something that you buy into because it's how you live your life. But why do you think that it's important to think creatively? Oh, okay. That is a big question. How do I <laughs> want to tackle this? Oh, I guess because I think create every person's creativity is different and thinking, I think you just get better ideas when you, if you know, you encourage everyone to think, to think creatively, like I was kind of going back to saying at the beginning, um, you're forced to kind of challenge why you think something and why you believe that's the right way to do it. And I think that kind of process of batting things back and forth, like everyone, everyone wins essentially. Um, and we're facing, whether it's in a brand context, but I think we're facing like huge problems in the world right now. And I think if 
people could just think creatively and actually be brave to take things forward, then, you know, we might find we might find that we're able to surmount some of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's something I feel very strongly, <laughs> particularly, as you say, on a uh, much wider, greater than any of us level. Mm. Um, I think some systemic problems that we have mm. could, you know, start to be unravelled somewhat if mm. we were to think about things more creatively. and Not in such a, like, systematic, institutionalised way. Absolutely. Exactly. No, I think, I think my answer to that question is because I think it pushes us thinking creatively pushes us as individuals but also as human beings to accept more than like the really pedestrian route and to to do something more interesting more exciting and achieve more that's amazing (laughs) cool thank you very much thanks so much (laughs) Isabel thank you for having me